We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. Welcome to Solo Ship Week 4. Uh, I'm Squirrel Patrol. I'm joined by JM Win from One Week Season. Uh, JM, how was Week 3 for you? Yeah, weeks, Week 3 was one of those like, uh, it was one of those weeks where things could have lined up just the right way. I could have had a re- really big week. Um, things couldn't have lined up in such a way that I could have had a bad week, but it ended up being like a slightly subpar week. Uh, what about you? It's awful. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> it was- Really, one of my uh, worst like ROI weeks that that I think I've had in the past few years, um, and it it, I mean, it wasn't really anything in particular. I just I think you needed to have a combination of Miami Dolphins players and the Buffalo defense that I, I just didn't have. Yeah, um, and I, I was way too high on Atlanta last week. I thought they were going to come out as kind of a different team than they had presented themselves pretty much the past like couple of years, <laughs> and they didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and, you know, I, I really – I don't build lineups for scenarios where teams score 10 touchdowns with eight of them going to the running backs. Uh, it's just, like, not how I, I build my lineups. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and Buffalo defense was, like, pretty popular, and they ended up, I think, putting up 30-something. 32, yeah. Yeah, like, people are talking all about Miami because that's the obvious points on the scoreboard. Like, you really need to have the, the Bills defense because it was popular, popular enough that, like, like you could avoid having uh, Devon – each on in your lineups and win a tournament, but you probably still have to have the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny. I had, um, I, it, it was, it was hard for me to have a losing weekend because my, um, I didn't miss on my quarterbacks and like my, my, all my 
exposure was Mahomes, Herbert, and Deshaun Watson. That was like 90% of my exposure was those three. They all did well. Um, and then my wide receiver, my top six highest owned wide receivers were uh, Justin Jefferson, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, Tank Dell, Adam Thielen. So you're getting 28 to 45 points at every wide receiver spot. And all those guys are like 26% owned or higher. So you're kind of mixing and matching them across rosters. Uh, but yeah, I had no bills defense because they are, they're a very conservative, non-aggressive defense. And you can go, go through their game logs. It's very rare for them to have like a, a five point or lower game, but also very rare for them to put up double digit points. So they weren't really even on my radar, which was obviously in retrospect and, and oversight. Um, and then I had 8% Raheem Mostert. And so it was like Mostert uh, in large field play. Mostert didn't like the rosters he ended up on didn't line up with me getting four wide receiver spots right. Because most of my rosters had four wide receiver spots right, the quarterback right, um, you know, tight end with a wasteland anyway. But I didn't have those 32 points at defense. And um, and so, yeah, like in, in single entry three max, um, I had three main rosters. One of them finished like top four or 5%, but that was the one I had the least amount of money on. The other two finished like with my bubble touching the the cash line. So that was kind of the difference between a little bit of profit and, and a little bit down, but um but yeah, it was, it was, I said it last week, it was not a week that set up well for what I'm best at. So the fact that I missed like one thing, I felt really good and got so many things right. I felt really good about the way I played. Um, and it just didn't like the, the rosters didn't line up the right way, but we turned the page. It's a new week, which presents very new challenges this week. So I'm excited to pick your brain because I typically come out of this show I come in, into the show with like 95% of my thoughts set and kind of come out of the show with like 98% of my thoughts set. So um, yeah, excited to, although I did after our show last week, I did add Desmond Ritter to my pool. And then on Saturday night, I was like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That was one of my worst calls in recent memory. And speaking of memories, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. He's a pro. Moving on from uh, Desmond Ritter and week three, we're on to week four, which on paper looks pretty similar to last week in that we have a game, one game that has a, a very large game total, uh, you know, a few points more than any other game. Uh, it's interesting that last week that game was the Chargers in Minnesota, and it was Miami that really stole the show. This week, it's, you know, Miami is in the game that has the, uh, you know, the higher point total, which is probably not a surprise after they put up 70 points just by themselves. Uh, but actually, in a difference from last week, that Miami-Buffalo game really isn't jumping off the page in terms of ownership projections. And I think part of the reason why is that the guys involved in that game are just very expensive. Yeah, it's there. You got expensive guys and you have, uh, you know, one of the things I said last week was I my tendency is whatever's the most popular game, my personality is like, People are probably wrong about that, right? And I'll start in other places and every once in a while I'll come around to that game. And last week it was like, no, no, no I'm going to have heavy exposure to Vikings Chargers because the chances of it being low scoring were really low. And it was the only game that had the potential for that fourth quarter back and forth that really just 
leads to a game blowing up. And it didn't happen. It was 28 to 24 with like, I think it was like 11 minutes left. And there were just, there was no more scoring in it. But what if the Charger, what if the Vikings had scored with six minutes left? And now it's 31, 28. And then what if the Chargers come down and score, make it 35 to 31. And then, and then the Vikings score again, it's 38 to 35 and the, the Chargers kick a field goal. So like the setup was there, the potential was there for that back and forth, rapid back and forth at the end of the game. Um, yeah, this game isn't like, it, it has, to me, it has fewer paths to us as like a, game where both teams are scoring over 35 points so there's also that and i think that's part of what makes this week really unique i'm interested to get your perspective on this but it's like you have the guys josh allen jalen hurts uh the bills dolphins game like these games are pretty high confidence games these players are pretty high confidence players and those are just examples i think we have this kind of across the slate but the chances of them going for like true had to have it scores are kind of like a little bit lower. So you're paying up to get those like 30 points, but can Hertz get you 38 in a game that Philly should control? Um, can Josh Allen get you 38 when every week the Bills are, are celebrating the fact that he's taking these underneath throws and now he's taking on Vic Fangio, who's going to force underneath throws. Um, and then you've got these other spots like, like Justin Fields against the Broncos or some of these pass catchers with like more volatile roles where it's like the certainty is way lower but there's a chance that they spring up above kind of these more certain games. So it's a very, it, to me, it's a very spread out slate because the certain spots, like they're pretty high confidence to me, but the chance of them being like true had to have it's are kind of low. And then these other spots could actually be had to have it, but the confidence is pretty low. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can build this week. And, and obviously weeks where there's a lot of different ways you can build the field typically doesn't build in all those ways. And so uh, that provides some clear pathways as well. Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement there. I think it is a pretty spread out week. I think one of the things that's kind of affecting that game that we're maybe not even thinking that much about is there's just not a lot of screaming value. Like we don't have the, the backup running backs that are stepping into, you know, they're mispriced for their role or anything like that. Uh, even a wide receiver, there's just not a ton of, of value. Like I kind of like Calvin Austin, uh, but, you know, I think he's, he's down there at the 3,300 range and, well, we had a bunch of those guys earlier this season. I, you know, I feel like each week we've had our selection of $3,000 wide receivers who we could choose from, uh, and that made it easier, at least before the game started, to go to like these high-cost high, high cost players. But like, like Josh Allen, I think, is the most expensive quarterback. I think like Diggs, um, Diggs and Tyree Kill are like two of the top four most expensive wide receivers. And without a lot of screaming value, it's really difficult to, like, to game stack that game. And so I'm more inclined to look at some value, like some value in games, like even like game stacks that could go off compared to the game total uh, and then fit in, try to fit in like a Tyreek Hill or a Stephon Diggs on that roster. But I'm not going to be able to like, it's just really difficult to game stack the Bills and Dolphins. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that all of that kind of goes into, into play this week. And then on top of that, uh, one of the things I've been thinking about and talking about this week is part of what makes the Dolphins offense so unique is, is how impossible it is to prepare for it until you've seen it. So if you've seen it, it's a little bit easier to be acclimated to it at the start of the game. You know, uh, Vance Joseph said this week, literally said that the speed was overwhelming. <laughs> like, and it, it, obviously we could see that, but it's like, if you've not seen it and it's not just fast players, but it's um, 
it's the the fast motion that coincides you know, a half second before the snap. It, it's just so much stuff that Mike McDaniel does to strain the defense. But we saw what the Patriots were able to do. It's like, hey, we've seen this twice before. You know, the the Bills played this team three times last year, played them in the playoffs. So it's like we've seen this before. We can be a little bit better prepared for it. Um, and again, the Dolphins still probably score 24 or more points, but it's just harder for them to go for like 35, 40 points uh, against a team that's really good in the Bills and has seen this team before. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, it's it. Like I said, it just kind of neutralizes everything to where there's a lot of different places you go this week. What are, are, are there other places that are standing out to you this week? So, yeah, so one of them, and I put it, I guess, my my top correlation, I think, on the expert survey, but you mentioned one of the players already is Justin Fields. Uh, like if you had said at the beginning of the season, we're going to knock $1,000 or more off Justin Fields' price, and we're going to have him face a defense that just gave up 70 points, and he's going to be at home, like people would have been all over Justin Fields. I, I don't think he's going to be under-owned, uh, or like unowned. Uh, but he might be under-owned, and he is a player that can put up a lot of fantasy points in a game where he's not necessarily putting a lot of points on the scoreboard. Uh, like, if he gets two rushing touchdowns, and we know he's capable of getting, like, 100 yards rushing, um, that's a lot of points, and now he's much cheaper. Whereas at the beginning of the season, uh, he was more expensive, and he really had to have, like, a knockout rushing game and you know, probably throw for a touchdown to be of value on a, on a DFS lineup. And then I think he actually pairs very nicely because, like, the Bears' defense has not been – good either uh pairs nicely with Javante Williams on the other side like Javante Williams is very cheap I think uh I think it's particularly on FanDuel he's he's very cheap uh at the running back I think he's like the 20th most expensive on DraftKings and the 28th most expensive running back on FanDuel which is just too cheap for going against a very bad defense yeah Javante Williams is interesting I've heard I've heard a lot of people talking about him and I do uh, you know daily roster building show DFS lab with my nephew who's 23 years old so he's on like he's watching TikTok stuff and all that. And he was like, oh yeah, everybody on TikTok is talking about Javante Williams this week. Um, and I'm like, really? Like he hasn't seen more than 40, I think it's 42% of the snaps in a game, you know? And he, he hasn't seen more than uh, 12 carries, 13 carries in a game. A at the same time, what if he sees 16? What if he sees 17? What if he sees 18? Uh, you know, there's, it's interesting you say like how bad the defense, they just gave up 70 points. Um, and there's one side where it's like, well, this team is going to, uh, adjust like they're going to look for what's wrong and the bill the, the bears don't present the same challenges as, as the dolphins at the same time well the offense is going to adjust right uh there have been some little whispers from broncos beat beat reporters that marvin mims is going to see his role grow this week uh that he's going to be on the field a little bit more maybe he's on the field 30 40 percent of snaps right maybe javante williams does see um 16 carries 17 carries so yeah i think that that's a very interesting one where like you said, you know, I was, I was on, it was on our Thursday DFS lab show. We built a roster with Justin Fields. And then after the show ended, Keegan and I were just talking about Fields, and it was like, you know, he's only 6,600. And so it, you know, all those games last year that he didn't score 40, you know, he only scored 40 twice quote only, but all the other games were like 20, 21, 24. But then you're like, man, at 6,600, I'd take 24 points. It's not going to win you a tournament, but it, you know, I take that for the shot at 40 points and, and, so it was like, man, people might not be on him. Then you, then you look at ownership and it's like, okay, like people will be on him. He'll be on 10% of rosters, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, but you kind of pair it with the game environment. You say, you know, Justin Fields and Cole Komet and Javante Williams and Marvin Mims, like there's Jerry Judy's coming in at sub 1% ownership projections. Like there's ways you can put it together to where all of a sudden you're unique. And that is one of the games that, that 
could blow up because we say so often we it's like all oh, these defenses are so bad. It's like, yeah, so are the offenses and nothing happens in the game. But like, yeah, these offenses are not great, but they can be a lot better than they've been, especially against these defenses. Yeah. And like you mentioned, like Javante Williams doesn't have like a bunch of, of usage, right? He doesn't have you know a 20 carry game or something like that uh, in, in recent memory, at least this season. But he he priced down at like the twenty eighth most expensive running back. Like his his competition at that price is not very, you know, is not getting a full workload either. Uh, so maybe that's more of a cash gameplay. But I do I think it's at least relevant for single entry because I I think Fields will be owned. I think Javante Williams will see a, a good amount of ownership. He might be one of the, the top owned running backs just because he is so cheap. But I think you can put in Justin Fields because now he's so much cheaper than he used to be and pair him with Javante Williams, and it probably doesn't kill you. Like, those guys are going to get some rushing yards. Um, so it, it is. It's a game I'm interested in, but I, I agree. Like, everybody looks and sees, like, terrible defenses. The offenses might not be that good either. <laughs> and, yeah. and that yeah. might be a game where, yeah, like, nobody does anything, uh, and it, it just about hits the total, and you, and you don't have a, a standout fantasy score. Yeah. You know, another game that I think is really interesting – is the Colton Rams it started out with a, a total of 44 and a half got bet up to 47 bounced back down to 46 I think that's where it's at right now but uh you know Colts solid defense they have been very solid this year but they're very zone heavy and very low pressure rates and you, you know you put Matthew Matthew Stafford's tremendous against zone defense you give him time he's going to pick apart his own defense. Puka Nakua, you know, we showed last week had that kind of down game against heavy man coverage and he's dominated zone coverage so far this year. That's what you would expect from a guy with his profile. Uh, obviously Anthony Richardson gaining some steam just because he can run and he can put up that type of big game. But I, I think that game as a whole um, interesting. And, you know, you said these guys like Javante's price in this place where other guys aren't getting these big workloads either, but you have these guys in Zach Moss and Kyron Williams played 55 out of 55 snaps, right? Like Zach Moss touched the ball 32 out of 38 running back touches last week. So it's like um, both those guys in that game are interesting. And, and you know, the, that Rams side, they're so concentrated on on Tutu and Puka and, and Kyron that like you could have one of those on 100% of your rosters and you're probably just divide them up 33%, 33%, 33%, like and, and 67% of your rosters are probably getting a really solid score from those Rams pieces, um, you know, nine games among the three of them total, right? You just play three games. Uh, there have been seven solid to really great scores at their price tag. So um, yeah, I think that's another game that's, that's interesting to consider. People won't be on Matthew Stafford because he hasn't had the touchdowns yet, but a pair of 300 yard games already. What if he gets the, the three touchdowns this week? So yeah, that's another one that's interesting. Um, not the same, like, man, you had to have that the way that Justin Fields could end up being, but you know, if Fields in this in this JV offense ends up putting up 19 points, um, and and Hertz and Josh Allen end up putting up, you know, 28 points, all of a sudden Stafford throws for 303 touchdowns and he's scoring 27, and it's like, man, that's that's a guy that you should have had at that price tag. I think the Rams will be very popular this week, um, and I, I and we'll see. I mean, I'm going to play a lot of them but they're really underpriced. Uh, I think Puka is still the 14th most expensive wide receiver. And I, I was like underweight on him in the two game slate. Like I think it was like a Monday night uh, slate, but, or maybe it was a showdown, but either way, I, I wanted to be underweight on him in, in that matchup. I, yeah. I mean, I reading the one week season uh, right up at the game, it, the, the zone, zone coverage um, is just very beneficial for him. Uh, so like he can pile up receptions. He should not be the 14th most expensive wide receiver. And yeah, Kyron Williams, I think, has the best workload 
out of any running back so far this season. I mean, I, especially once you get rid of the Cam Makers game, there was a Cam Makers game week one, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so, so I think, but I think other people are going to be playing him as well. So I don't know, like, are we buying high or yeah, are they just not, not expensive enough? And you can fit in like those pieces from that game. And I agree, like Matthew Stafford is probably going to be underowned. Um, then again, he doesn't run the ball. So I kind of am to- toying around with, can I get an Anthony Richardson, you know, quarterback lineup, and then run it back with like Puka and Kyron Williams. And do I even need to have any Colts pieces? Um, Cause like Michael Pittman is probably the one you would go to, but maybe, maybe Joshua Downs or the um, Granson, the tight end. Um, I've played some, actually some Kyron Granson pair with Danny Richardson, but like Richardson was off to such a good start and maybe he goes a little underowned coming back from the concussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the question of the, about pairing him is an interesting one. You know, one of the things that Zandamir always says is like for a, a quarterback to even a running quarterback to like have a GPP winning score without bringing anybody with him, like you're threading a very thin needle. But then I think you also have to look on a case by case basis where it's like every once in a while, like that can make sense, right? Because Anthony Richardson is like a running back who, who can throw the ball and he probably won't, but let's say it like this, like if Justin Fields hadn't had two touchdown passes, go to Cole Komet, both of his big games last year, there wouldn't have been anybody that you needed to pair with him at his 44 point games, you know, because it's like, like Richardson probably isn't throwing more than 200, 225 yards. And so, you know, if the touchdowns come on the ground for him, all of a sudden, there is no pass catcher. And I think Josh Downs will be popular, but but Josh Downs' chances of getting more than he'll, – he'll be popular because optimizers are like, who can we put in that allows us to get some higher-priced guys, right? So, um, But Josh Downs isn't going to get more than like 35, 40 yards in most scenarios given the role, that, given how he's being used. So um, if he's not scoring the touchdowns, you know, it's like you're, you're filling up a roster spot with him more than anything. And then Michael Pittman, his A dot so low and his chance of getting 100-plus yards are so low that – even if he gets the touchdowns, he's really not that valuable. So I, I guess said differently, you take Cole Komet's games with, with fields last year, but put it at a price tag much higher, right? And that's what Pittman could end up being, where it's like, yeah, it's a fine score, but you didn't need to have it. So yeah, Richardson could be the rare, um, you know, I, uh, the what was it, week one, I had a decent amount of Richardson and I, I roll, initially rolled out some rosters without any pairings. And I was like, man, that just looks so weird then I kind of forced some pairings on it. And then retrospectively, it should have been just Richardson naked. And so, yeah, I think that's a very interesting call right there. In it, it particularly, he like pairs well with Puka because Puka gets the reception. So like, like Puka can get there with yardage and receptions and Anthony Richardson can get there with rushing. And like, so you don't necessarily, like the natural pairing for Puka isn't necessarily Matthew Stafford. It's, it's Anthony Richardson, um, I, which I, we're kind of building a roster. <laughs> uh, you know, which we don't normally uh, do on this show. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's an interesting pairing for a single entry. And then Kyron Williams, uh, especially on DraftKings, like fits in there pretty well uh, also. And then actually, I want to move on to another game where I'm more interested in the, the position players, but not necessarily the quarterbacks. Um, but Minnesota and Carolina uh, is a game that I think is a little bit interesting because Minnesota passing defense um, has been pretty bad. But we don't know who the quarterback of Carolina is necessarily going to be. It's probably going to be Bryce Young. Yeah, I think um, they said today that, that it will be that he's starting. Okay, and so, 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 I don't know if I'm necessarily interested in playing like Bryce Young or Kirk Cousins, but then like Justin Jefferson, Miles Sanders, 
uh, Adam Thielen. And I'm wondering if like DJ Shark is maybe going to work his way onto some of my rosters as well. Um, so, you know, just because the Minnesota passing defense hasn't looked good. And I think that game will be a little bit underowned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I went through a stretch where when I started writing the NFL edge and doing like all the deeper research, my, my play took a dip for a little while, my DFS play. And it was because you can get so deep into the numbers that you latch onto certain numbers. And it's like, these are numbers that tell us what has happened. Right. So this week, one of the things I'm having to battle is, you know, Bryce Young has one pass all season of, of 20 plus yards downfield. And, and then this data point or this idea that Brian Flores doesn't have a lot to work with on that Vikings defense, but he knows how to confuse a quarterback. He's going to throw all these exotic blitzes. Bryce Young, Young's going to see things he's never seen before. At the same time, that's one side of the coin, right? The other side is the secondary is not good for the Vikings. So if Bryce Young is able to get the ball out against these blitzes, these, these pass catchers can have a big game. If he throws a couple more passes downfield, uh, DJ Shark could have a big game or Jonathan Mingo looks like he's on track to clear concussion protocol and nobody's going to play him. And he's seen like a pretty high target. I forget what the numbers are, but a pretty high target share in that offense. And, and, and I think even a pretty high, like first read rate in that offense. So yeah, I think that that's an interesting spot. I think that the, um, you know, uh, you've probably read the NFL edge right up for that game. <laughs> and like, I, I was listening to it this morning and it was like, uh, it was a perspective I hadn't been seeing of like, Oh, there's a chance this game could actually get really interesting. So yeah, that's a spot I haven't fully come around on, on yet. Cause kind of like I listened to that game this morning and then jumped straight into this, like my podcast day. So jump straight into podcasts, but um, yeah, I want to give a little bit more attention to my, in my thoughts to that game because I've just generally been kind of off of that game so far. So another game that I'm not like, that interested in game stacking, but I think there's a, a couple of players that I'm interested in. And somebody I haven't heard a whole lot about this week is Alvin Kamara. Um, Cause I think people don't know what to expect, uh, but I I'm kind of high on him this week and actually hot takes. Uh, my, my hot take was going to be that Alvin Kamara is going to be the highest scoring running back on, on DraftKings. Um, and you know, again, I'm like hot takes. I'm generally going for something that has, I think has like a less than 10% chance of happening, but could happen. Right. But could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, we don't know how what his workload is going to look like, but he might have a. Well, I think he is going to have a backup quarterback I, uh, with Winston, and then uh, his backup running back, you know, Jamal Williams, is out. And I think if we had seen that situation in like week one, then maybe we would have been all over Alvin Kamara. But we don't know is is the team going to look at him and say, well, he's like fresh legs. We can like we can ride Alvin Kamara because he hasn't had any, you know, any workload weeks one through three. Or is it going to be a situation where they're, well, we want to ease them back in to, to live action? Yeah. I mean, I've obviously I've looked at him this week um, and I've just painted the negative picture, which is probably what most people will do, right? The matchup's bad. And uh, in fact, that matchup has been like most of his worst games over the last three or four years have come against that Buccaneers defense. And then he wasn't, really great for DFS last year, right? He had like one, one good game. So that's the negative to it. But the, I think the positive to it is also a very interesting angle to play around with. Um, so yeah, I won't, I won't uh, like, I'll just lay it out like that. My, my perspective has been the same perspective. Most people are probably having of like, here are the negative data points, but it's definitely a spot where when we're talking about what wins you tournaments, a lot of times, you know, and there's the blend, obviously, you know, if you're learning DFS is like, you don't want, 
eight Alvin Kamara type plays across your roster. What you want is when you get that type of play right, you want it to be blended with your all like five or six high confidence plays so that, you know, it kind of separates you. You've got these plays that like, like I said, think back to what I said about my wide receiver ownership pool last week, right? If you can mix and match those higher confidence plays and they all hit, and then you mix in some of these lower confidence, high upside plays, that's really where you win tournaments. So yeah, I could, I could see that being one of those, um, one of those spots. My, my hot take was going to be or is that uh, Marvin Mims will outscore all the other uh, popular cheap wide receiver options. So uh, that is a sub sub 10% likelihood as well. But that's something I'm going to take some shots on this week is we're talking about how to, how to pair Justin Fields, you know, uniquely It's like you get Judy sub 1% or you get Marvin Mims instead of these, these other popular guys. Uh, I think that's an interesting one to play around with as well. Yeah, actually the, the same kind of scenarios we're talking about with Anthony Richardson can be applied to Justin Fields where you can run it back. Like you, you don't necessarily need to play a wide receiver or tight end even with, with fields, but you could run it back with an opposing wide receiver. And I also think Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson's not a guy I'm going to be playing in single entry or, or cash game or anything like, but like, I think in terms of large field play, like Russell Wilson might be a little bit underrated. Cause I think if people are going to that game at all, they're going to go to Justin Fields. Like, I mean, what if, what if the bears defense is just that bad and Russell Wilson is throwing ball, you know, it's finally Russell Wilson's, opportunity to cook. I mean, and I think he was actually a, a tournament winner one of the weeks we've already had. Um, but yeah, like he's kind of being overlooked, I think, in in that game as well. Yeah. The game against Washington where where he was, he put up 30 something points. He did have the Hail Mary and he had 56 rushing yards on six attempts, which is like very unusual for 35 year old Russell Wilson at this point. But at the same time, uh can he throw for 303 touchdowns? Can he put up 27 points? Like he's right now my my quarterback pool is is like the two is Hertz and, and Josh Allen. And then the, like the six K guys who could end up having the top scores on the slate, which is Richardson and fields. And then uh, four guys under six K where I'm saying like, okay, what if fields and Richardson don't hit for 30 plus points? What if Josh Allen and, and Hertz only hit for 30, like 25 to 30? Well, is there a sub six K quarterback who could go for 300 yards and three touchdowns and give me 27 plus points at a much cheaper price tag. And so for me, uh, Russ is one of those four quarterbacks. So yeah, I think that that's an interesting play, an interesting spot. And this this Broncos offense hasn't been bad. They've been, their their 0-3 record and their game against the Dolphins has kind of overshadowed the fact that this, this Broncos offense has not been a top 10 offense, but it's been like a top 12, top 14 offense. They've been solid. And uh, yeah, I think that that's a very interesting spot this week and a spot that, you know, this 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 was early ownership projections. I was looking at some ownership projections last night, and it was like um, Russell Wilson at nine point seven percent owned, but Cortland Sutton at like nine point one, and Jerry Judy at 0.5. And you're like, how does that even work? You know, like yeah. I think that that Russ ownership will come down, and um, and there's nobody really wanting to stack him up. So uh, yeah, I think that's that, that's an interesting spot. It's, and again, I just think I think that it'll be hard for Josh Allen and, and Jalen Hurts and you could throw Herbert in there. It'll be hard for these guys to not score 25 plus points, but it'll also be hard for them to go significantly over 30. And so if you can find the cheap guy who matches them or the, the mid range guy who like goes way over that mark there, there are opportunities to build this slate in a lot of different ways to kind of outmaneuver what everybody else will be looking at. You've mentioned Hertz a couple of times. You said he's one of the quarterbacks in your pool and I'm, I'm down on him this week and I don't know why <laughs> other than like that game doesn't seem appealing to me. It's got a low point total. And I think it's, I think you actually said what it is, is it 
he might not put up like 30 plus points. Like it's impossible. I'm not impossible, but it's difficult to see him having a bad game, but he's very expensive. And like, yeah, if he puts up like 25, 26 points at his price tag, is that enough? And is Washington going to be able to, to push him? But then Washington did win one of these games last season. It's like, maybe they are capable of pushing him and, and maybe teams aren't always as bad as they looked last week. Right. Yeah. With, with Hertz, it's more about, um, cause we can look at Richardson and field and be like, Oh, they could score 35, but they also could score 19 or 20 or 21. And all these cheaper guys could end up in that 20 point range where they only throw for two touchdown passes. Right. So it could be to me, 30 pointers are always valuable. Um, I think people, people have a, a, like don't totally understand this Eagles offense and like, how pass leaning they tend to be in the early going because they are always up by two or three scores in the third quarter and, and turn toward the run. But like last week, um, Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell had combined for nine carries at halftime. And uh, last year I kind of tracked this a lot throughout the season, but like the Eagles start out their games really aggressive, really pass heavy uh, against Washington last year, Hertz one game he threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns. And then the other game, the, the one that the Eagles lost it was the game where the Eagles had the ball for 19 minutes and 36 seconds. And Washington basically said, look, we can't win this game, but what we can do is control this game on the ground. Well, now fast forward to this year and the Eagles ranked number one in run defense DVOA. They've been a horrible run game matchup. So if Washington can't do that, like now you have a situation where the Eagles are going to put up those 30 points more than likely. And, and it's going to come through Hertz. and sure he's on the bench in the second half. So yeah, it, it is, but similar to Josh Allen, you know, it's hard for me to see, um, you know, if you pay attention to this, this bill's team, I mean, they're so excited about Josh Allen taking the underneath throws and his average depth of targets down. And they're like every press conference, every coach is celebrating the fact that he's not forcing the ball downfield. And then Vic Fangio is like, all I do is make sure nobody can throw the ball downfield. So, you know, can Josh Allen go for 35 or four? I mean, he can probably more so than hurts, but yeah, I kind of see these guys as, as hand in hand as like guys who probably don't disappoint, but probably don't post like had to have it scores at their price tags. Um, but again, if the rest of the slate shakes out in a certain way, that still becomes like the most valuable way to go. So one team we haven't mentioned at all is the team with the highest implied point total on the week is, is San Francisco. Uh, and nobody ever likes to play Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, he doesn't get like a ton of rushing points, uh, but like some someone on this team is going to put up a big score. And I think we're still waiting on Debo Samuel news. Uh, as so, of, yeah, as of like 30 minutes ago, we still were. So Yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested in this team. And it's not necessarily going to see a lot of ownership. Um, you know, and I'm very interested in the team, if especially if Debo's out. Because um, that puts like George Kittle into play, I think at tight end where it's tight ends, like not a great position this week, maybe not great any week that kind of Travis horrible, Kelsey's not on the meet. Horrible this week though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, George Kittle could easily be the highest scoring tight end or it could be Ayuk or, you know, it could be Christian McCaffrey, which is probably the least appealing of the options uh, just because of his price tag. Yeah. So it looks like Debo did not practice once again today. So that's positive. Um, you know, on my show with Pete Overset, he mentioned Kittle as well. Um, in my show with Keegan, who's, you know, again, in a very different realm of watching the TikTok videos and all that, like he was mentioning Kittle. So, I, I mean, I think that if Debo's out, Kittle grabs the ownership because the tight end is position is so ugly this week. But then that probably makes Ayuk really interesting leverage. And it just fundamentally makes George Kittle a really sharp play. So, yeah, that offense, you know, those skill position players, 
which is typically four guys and, and could be three guys this week, they're going to combine for around 80 DraftKings points most weeks. And then you say like, how do they get divided up? We don't know. But when it's down to three guys, it's like, well, you know, McCaffrey's going to get his 25 to 30. McCaffrey has only topped 30 points three times in, in like 13 full games with the 49ers, right? So most of the time he's getting 25, 28 in that range. Um, and then it's like, where did the other 40 or 50 points go? You know, if, if one of these guys gets 30 of them, which can happen, they become really valuable. So yeah, I'll, I'll expect if Debo's out to have like quite a bit of Kittle and Ayuk. And, and I like Brock Purdy this week too. Again, typically they, they're winning by so much that he's not getting the those points in the fourth quarter. And unlike Hertz, it's not like he's getting 300 plus passing yards before then or a bunch of rushing yards. Uh, so his ceiling gets a little bit capped sometimes, but uh, definitely like that that offense this week. And so I know we're, we're a little over time. I just wanted to get your thoughts on one last game, uh, Chargers and Raiders, because I think it's going to be uh, one of the most like highest owned games this week. And it's interesting, like Keenan Allen's price tag is very different on FanDuel versus DraftKings. He's like absurdly priced on FanDuel. I think he's only 100 cheaper than Tyreek Hill. And he like he doesn't, his receptions don't count as much on, on FanDuel. Yeah. Uh, DraftKings, he's like much better priced and he's, he puts up, you know, monster scores on DraftKings with the full point per reception. But I, I really think people aren't talking about that game that much just because, like, we don't know what's going to happen on Austin Eckler. So it's difficult to, to cover the game because I think that makes a big difference. And I, Eckler, I think, is actually an excellent play if he plays. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. people haven't been talking about him, the, you know, the, the whole week because we don't know. Like, there's uncertainty there. It doesn't yeah. make for good content going, like, I don't know if he's going to play, but, you know, you should play him if he does. Yeah, uncertainty at the Raiders quarterback as well, which obviously impacts how that game can play out. Um, uh, yeah, I'll try to go through it quickly, but uh, this this game made me think of the, I think I brought it up on the show before, but the quote I heard from Dave Canales, Buccaneers offensive coordinator, before the season when they were asking about the, the growth of Kate Otten, he was praising Kate Otten, then he interrupted himself saying, look, you don't design plays for Kate Otten. You design plays for Mike Evans, you design plays for Chris Godwin, and I think targets kind of spill over from there. Well, similarly, if Austin Eckler's playing, like I think that devalues Josh Palmer a little bit because like they're going to be designing plays for Eckler and Keenan Allen. If Eckler's out, it makes Josh Palmer extremely attractive because they're going to be designing plays. Not only will they be designing plays for Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer, obviously Quentin Johnson will be in there too, but like not only that, but the Raiders have so far this year, they've faced the lowest first read rate in the NFL. And you know, last week they doubled George Pickens almost every play. Like they're going to sell out to take away Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is still probably going to have a solid game, but like his average depth of target, same as it's been in the past. It's just that he's seeing, you know, same as in the past when he has like a 15 to 20 target game or when he scores the touchdowns, you know, he has this monster potential. So if he ends up being limited to 12 targets or something like that, he ends up being overpriced, but Josh Palmer can hit, right? Or Austin Eckler or whoever it is. So yeah, I think that that's a very interesting game. Probably won't be on Herbert just because you don't get the rushing upside, right? And it's a high price tag to pay for a guy who has to throw for that many yards and, and that many touchdowns just to meet value, nothing against the play, but um, I'll go other directions at quarterback, but I like the, the pass catchers. Uh, and then obviously the Raiders, like they only use three guys, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. So one of those guys probably has a, a really strong game in this matchup. As long as Jimmy G is under center. Uh, that'll just about wrapped up for a solo ship. Any final thoughts on the week? Interesting week. Interesting week. I think a lot of different directions you can go. And I think that this is a week more so than normal where I will actually leverage ownership projections um, because 
so there will be a lot of spots where I'm like, oh, maybe this is the better spot. Maybe this is the better spot. And so rather than leaning on just trying to predict, I'll, I'll kind of say what's the best strategy based off of ownership projections. Not typically the way I approach things, but, um, but yeah, I'll be kind of leaning a little bit more toward that this week. All right. That'll do it for this week. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Got my guy Michael Wilson involved a little bit here. And, and yeah. before we trans transition over to the look ahead, Minnesota is one of those 0-3 teams. So uh, they're on the wrong end of those one-score games so yeah. far. That schedule's pretty soft now, and that division is still pretty winnable. And, um, you know, Detroit getting another W, which is big for them. But I, I don't think they're selling and panicking – at this moment, if you add another another L onto that record in a week from now, maybe we start to have a different conversation with Kirk Cousins contract being up. I'm sure you've seen things floated around already, maybe a bit prematurely. But with how soft the NFC uh, was expected to be heading into the season in a division that I still think is winnable, still a ton of divisional games. That, that those standings are still flipping a hurry. I think you give the you give the Vikings two more weeks and you see what happens at least at minimum. Yeah, I mean they've got. So I think the I think the Vikings to me are a good looking at team this week because they're coming to town to play my Panthers, and Andy Dalton will be at quarterback this week uh, because they've they've confirmed that that Bryce Young is going to be out at least three weeks. And here's my thing. If the Panthers start winning football games, I think that ankle injuries, oh, he's still a little aggravated. We'll keep him out an extra week, right? The Panthers didn't win yesterday, but what I did say was this offense would look better. And trust me, it did. The offense looked much better. Uh, Andy Dalton's a veteran quarterback. Uh, this game is probably going to be another shootout this week. So from a fantasy perspective, Luke's, I like the Vikings, but I like the Panthers. Andy Dalton should still be fairly cheap. I, I don't think Adam Thielen is going to be as cheap as, as he came out with a nuke target game. Uh, and he should should still, you know, ha have more targets again this week. This is this should be another game for fantasy goodness, but we'll have to see where the ownership is and see if it becomes more popular due to the fact that, you know, the Panthers are on the other side. But uh, the, the Vikings could absolutely win this game and they could absolutely lose this game. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think, you know, I think this team is explosive, but it doesn't matter if you're explosive if your defense can't stop a common cold. Um, so that, this is a weird team because they can score. They just can't stop anyone. You get what I'm saying? If they can outscore you, they'll win. But but I don't I don't think they're going to be able to do that too often because their defense allows the other offenses to score just as many points as they do. It wasn't much different than last year. Yeah, you know, they, they they had one or two more of those splash variance plays go their way here and there, skirting away with a with a win here or there. Um they're gonna put up points. They yeah. can't run the ball, and I'm not sure Cam Akers is gonna solve the offensive line issue either. Uh, but he's another weapon. Yeah, yeah, this game is a good place to start. Do you expect Bryce Young to sit out for week four? Yes. I do. Um, I don't think so. That was week. That was week two. 
No, no, that was week three. Um, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to be back week four. I think he possibly comes back week five. But once again, if this offense is summoned along, I don't think he's back. I, I don't know if we see Bryce until week six. Because because I think the report was, if I'm not mistaken, and, and please forgive me, folks, if, if I'm incorrect here. But when I was reading the report, and I feel like they said he was going to be out at least th- two to three weeks, which means he's definitely not playing this week. Definitely. And possibly next week. I, I mean, they- Carolina moved the ball pretty well with Andy Dalton. Well, they should yeah. have. The guy's a veteran. Veteran. Like, Again, yeah. Kind of against a Sw- another Swiss cheese Vikings-like defense in the secondary. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that was a, a, a competitive football game. And Andy Dalton will catch buzz in the industry somewhere with this game environment at his cheap price. And I, I was on him last to- week. I was on this offense last week. So, yeah, he, he this offense should have – some traction. Sorry to interrupt you there, Luke. No, you're good. I mean, he's yeah. not going to give you a 30-point ceiling, but some of his skill players, such as Thielen, clearly they have rapport. And some of that player speak in the media this week with Thielen talking up Dalton. Thielen had a strong week last week, and he came back and you know, looked even better. Uh, he looks like the key cog in that offense right now. Yeah. And would you, would you put Adam Thielen's stock higher with Andy Dalton and Bryce Young right now for fans? Right now, yes. Absolutely. And I said this on the Blitz show last week, Luch. Like, I don't I don't dislike Bryce Young. He's the future. But we don't have a scrub. And hear me out now. We don't have a scrub backup quarterback. Andy Dalton was a bona fide starter in this league for seven or eight years with A.J. Green. Like, I think we forget that. His Cincinnati days aren't that far removed. Right, I know he was with the Saints, and I know he was with the Cowboys, but listen, this guy could be a starter in this league. I'll tell you this. Let me me just say this. If Andy Dalton was with the Jets right now, we think the Jets still had a shot at getting into the playoffs. We would. Garrett Wilson would get the ball more. The tight ends would get the ball more. The running backs would – they'd have – they'd have an offense that could move the football. You get what I'm saying? The only reason Andy Dalton isn't, isn't in, in Cincinnati right now is they, they just couldn't win football games. They turned over the coaching staff, and they brought in a new era with Joe Burrow. The A.J. Green era left. The, the T. Higgins era came in. The, you know, Tyler, the Tyler Boyd era came in. The... Um, uh, the Jamar Chase era came in. The Joe Burrow era came in. The Joe Mixon era. It's a whole new regime. But Andy Dalton could be a starter in this league. But guess what? He's now being paid great money to be a backup quarterback. He's just got to mentor these young guys, help them get ready, right? And then when he's called upon, he, he gets to play. So he's kind of got the best of both worlds now, Luke. He's been the star. He's been one of the franchise pieces. And now he gets to live out his life, doesn't have to take all those hits on his body season to season to season, and he gets paid more money as a as an elite backup quarterback. Because I would consider Andy Dalton an elite backup quarterback, right? Like a guy that, okay, your quarterback gets hurt, he comes in, it's not much drop off. He's an elite backup quarterback, and he's going to get paid elite backup quarterback money. This is great for Andy Dalton. This is great. 
Yeah, I, I I would have interest in Adam Thielen unless his projected ownership gets out of control. Uh, very cheap. Another will give them up. being coming or close to it for Dalton this week. On the flip side, what do you think Cam Akers' involvement is going to be? I mean, I would be shocked if he didn't dress after you know, being inactive shortly after being traded to Minnesota. Could this just be an ugly split, hard to figure out, probably a large field tournament thing if you want some of that Minnesota backfield? You know, you set a build rule to obviously play just one of them because you know, Madison and Cam Akers, Akers is 4900 on DK. I mean, they're pre they're priced cheaply enough that you know one touchdown and forty yards and you know maybe a, a couple catches puts them in a pretty good spot from price and from their price points. So, yeah. is this backfield just going to be a mess? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a mess, but I think that's the way you approach it: lean, lean into the uncertainty and play them both. But you're not going to play them both together. Maybe you play Madison. This is this is just an example. I haven't I haven't said any builds yet. It's just Tuesday, just Tuesday. But as an example, Luch, maybe you run Madison at 20 percent. You run um, you know Acres at ten percent. As an example, Madison is still the lead back until they tell us he's not right. So I think that's the way you approach this situation, you know, and and get exposure to both of them with the, with the offense and go from there. Yeah, obviously Jefferson, who had a, there was a bit of an injury scare late in that game. He was just cramping up, though. Uh, they're just throwing the ball at uh, in, at an insane rate right now. They want to establish a ground game, and I think they need to if they want to be competitive. But for, for fantasy football purposes, Kirk Aaron it out to all of the weapons has been fantastic for Osborne, Addison in most games, Hawkinson in most games. They've you know, Jefferson. They've all had ceiling kind of performances at their price point so far. But if they want to win, if we're talking real football, they're going to have to run the ball a little bit and be effective. And I think that's part of uh, the Acres. You know, maybe there's a spark there. There was some weird, you know, speculative you know, coach speak from different media outlets about, you know, uh, the, why the Rams were giving up on Cam Akers. And I feel like he's been rumored to be on the trade block for more than a season now. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, if there are issues off the field, if there, if it's just you know, immature, I don't know what it is. Then, then maybe it's still Madison's backfield. But like, I, I think eventually it'll probably be more of like a 50-50 situational split. Uh, both guys have dealt with injuries though. So if we're talking season long, or even week to week in DFS, if one guy's out, you still got to consider the other one. I mean, Madison played pretty well. He got he got dinged up and came back into that game. Granted, the Chargers do not stop the run either, but you know, still, you know, Minnesota threw the ball a lot. And Kirk Cousins is playing for a contract, Chief. So if I'm him, I'm audible and out of whatever run they call anyway, and I'm I'm throwing the football. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I'm with you 100%. It feels like we're already in the week ahead now. So yep. I figure we might as well just stay there. Um, I guess I'm going to pose a question to you, Luch. What's kind of your favorite real-life game this week? And then what's your what's kind of your favorite – early target for fantasy i've got my favorite real life game that i actually want to watch and then i've got one for fantasy and i, I think it's going to be similar to last week where we all kind of gather around one or two games which i did i did build very differently this week I, because i was heavy dolphins heavy texans um but i think 
I think there's one or two games in particular that people are going to be very interested in this week. Uh, I'm just interested to see kind of where you land right now. Well, Miami Buffalo is going to be fascinating. And we, yep. we talked about that a little bit. I think we might see some over ownership on the Miami side. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think Buffalo's pasties uh, pretty good. So I think there's an a, a immense difference between Buffalo's pass defense and Denver's pass defense, or just in general. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that one's in- interesting. My favorite real life game, where I'm hoping to find out more information about who these teams are, is Baltimore and Cleveland. Great. So we're on the same page there. I think we're, we're pretty much thinking along the same lines. I think that's that's my favorite real life game of the week. I want to see if the Ravens or Browns are for real. And it feels to me like the way Deshaun played last week and without the running, without all of the running backs at their disposal, like the Ravens, it looks like um, Lamar's going to be really cranking up the rushing attempts again, right? And, it, and, and, and if Deshaun's back on, on his passing game, this should be – a very unique game should be a tough game. It's a division game, so I'm with you. I, I think from a fantasy perspective, and for me, I've been trying to kind of go off the board, you know, building a lot more this year. I think Dolphins Bills are going to garner a lot of ownership, like you said. Um, Vikings Panthers are probably going to garner a lot of ownership, like you said. I'm going to go back to two teams with really bad defense, and that's Bears Broncos. Like, there's got to be some fantasy goodness. In this game, as it stands right now, I feel like I just want to lean on Russell Wilson again in this passing attack because, once again, Russ threw for 300. They just couldn't put it in the end zone enough. I I think after this massive butt kicking that they had, the points will show up this week. Two bad defenses, I think the points will be there. I, I think we're going to see Marvin Mims' role expand, and they they have to keep expanding it. And Yeah. I, I want I want to get ahead of the mega chalk Marvin Mims party whenever that is. And for some reason, I mean, he's just been making big play after big play. If he's sub 10% this week at 4,500 or whatever, I'll look it up. I don't know what he is. I'll check in a second. But, like, I, I just want – I think he's going to keep making plays. He was one of my favorite best ball targets in the offseason. And that Bears defense has been so bad. Uh, and Marvin Mims is 3,900. I mean, good Lord. Uh, so uh, he might be my favorite tournament, you know, cheap play upside kind of guy. But just getting back to the uh, the uh, Cleveland-Baltimore game, I want to see that Browns defensive front against a mobile quarterback. I want to see yes. how much a mobile quarterback can, you know, uh, excel against that front seven of Cleveland and I want to see how they play it defensively. I mean, Jim Schwartz got those boys dialed up. I mean, it, it's unreal. So I, I want to see this mobile quarterback Todd Monken offense against, uh, against this Cleveland defense and uh, that Ravens secondary is susceptible to the pass. So we'll see if Deshaun Watson, if he's really trending or if it was more of a, if it was more of a product of the Tennessee, you know, funnel, where you know, well, I just you know, this is going to be a very telling game. But what, let's backtrack once more and just talk about tie that Baltimore game with the Colts. Talk to me about the Colts with Minchu Mania, who never seems to go away. Yeah, um, 
I think, you know, in terms of that particular game, um, the Ravens had a they did the Ravens did have a shot late to close the game. Um, but of course, you know, Justin Tucker missed a 60, 61 to 63 yard field goal, I think it was. Uh, and that's really what forced it in the overtime. I think what was disappointing for me in this particular game is I don't think I still don't think Lamar is airing it out enough. Like, and I, I know he's down, you know, a weapon uh, in in um, in Odell Beckham, but Zay Flowers had eight catches for forty eight yards. Like that number should be bumped up tremendously. When we're talking about Zay Flowers, you know, this is a guy that I think we're expecting to have some field stretching ability, some big play ability. Eight catches for 48 yards, I think, is just too low for the type of output they're going to need to win some of these games. Nelson Aguilar, four for 39. Mark Andrews, four for 35. Like, I I think we've got to see Lamar push the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, You know, we we can't live in this this short to intermediate uh, uh, range every game. And so, to me – that's the big thing with this game. Now, listen, kudos to the Colts. You know, Gardner Minshew, two, 27 for 44, 277. Zach Moss, 30 totes, not touches, carries, folks, for 122 and also threw in two catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. Michael Pittman, nine catches for 77 yards. I don't know if you saw any highlights, Luch, but had a big-time reception down the field and had to hang on to it late in that game. Uh, Josh Downs, another emerging young receiver, eight catches for 57. And, of course, we had Alec Pierce here, three for 43. Zaire Franklin, 11 tackles like this. They had to earn this game. And, and being able to push it the overtime, it was a back and forth in overtime. The Baltimore's offense could not get rolling. And I think we've kind of seen that the past couple weeks, like, Baltimore's offense isn't blowing the top off anyone right now. And Lamar missing that missing that running back. He did have the rushing attempts this week. 14 for 101. Action Jackson is still Action Jackson. But I think I think we need to see Lamar dial up the passing yards a little bit more if they're going to get out of this division. Yeah, and the Colts brought in Trey Sermon, who saw 20% of the snaps off the get-go. That's because in week two, Zach Moss played 98% of the snaps. Still saw yeah. 76% of the snaps. Uh, so basically, whenever he was on the field, he was touching the ball. All my, pretty much, all yeah. jokes aside. Uh, at least one out of every like two plays. And yeah. he's only a, a bump over 6K. John Taylor's not back yet. We're going to find out more about who the Rams are defensively on Monday Night Football because we're recording pretty early on Monday here. But if you're going to give me a guy with that much opportunity, I'm not sure I care who the defense is uh, with Zach Moss. And if if the Rams are able to hold Cincinnati in check, maybe uh, the public is a little afraid to click that Zach Moss button. I mean, it doesn't feel great. It's still Zach Moss, but opportunity keeps knocking in big waves, and they're featuring him. They are featuring him and Michael Pittman. It doesn't matter who uh, is at quarterback, and and thank God well, somebody's finally p- featuring Michael Pittman. Yeah, and, and Zach Moss. Like, Luce, here's the thing. Like, I feel like some of these running backs that I, I've known from college – Sometimes they just get a bad end of the stick. Like, Zach Moss was really good in college at Utah. Really good. 
But he gets drafted to Buffalo. Devin Singletary is already there. They're in this weird split. And he, he is he just doesn't get to materialize the talent that he that he was shown in college. Even Devin Singletary was kind of stuck there in Buffalo. Like, and now he's in Houston behind Damian Pierce. So he's he's kind of stuck there. You know, I think we saw the same thing with uh not Dearness Johnson, Duke Johnson, right? Just kind of stuck behind guys and Zach Moss has got an opportunity. Uh, you know, we we know that uh, he would have been stuck if um, if their top running back option didn't sit out. So he's getting an opportunity. He's taking advantage of it. And uh, so so is so is Gardner Minshew with Richardson out. This is why he gets paid dollars to be a backup quarterback, right? Like these guys, like, and, and I'm I'm kind of happy for Gardner Minshew. Because he, he's get, getting to play, and sometimes these guys, like, he's now going to be an elite backup quarterback, a guy that can come in, you know, control the game for you, push the ball a little bit. So uh, kudos to the Colts for assembling a pretty good roster. Yeah, this might be kind of the, uh, a GPP look, right? I mean, we talked about a couple of games that we think people are going to flock to. Now that Zach Moss isn't in the 4K range or even the 5K range, are people going to want to click that button? I don't know. If the Rams hold Cincy in check, I don't know. I still think he'll he'll might float around in that you know 12 to 15 percent ownership, which which isn't going to kill you in NFL DFS. So if you love the volume, then I think you stick with Zach Moss. Uh, I think that's interesting, and uh, you know we'll yeah. find out more about the Rams I, on. I think. Monday. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think we'll know. Excuse me. I think we'll know a lot more about the Rams um, once we get the final result from uh, Monday night. Uh, so we, we are recording this show, you know, Monday. So once we get the final results, I think we'll know a lot more. I will say uh, Puka, Puka Nakua is only 6,700 in that game. And I'm saying only because of the massive targets he's been receiving. We'll see if the targets – uh, continue to to trend up uh, from a fantasy perspective. We do have once again Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill at the top of the list. I I do think this Vegas Chargers game is interesting. We saw Devonte get 13 targets on Monday night. Um, excuse me on Sunday night. Not um, excuse me, 20 targets, Luch. 13 receptions for 172 and two. That's now in the elite category, and he's 8K. Like, if he's going to get that type of volume versus Jefferson versus Hill, he's big time in the conversation against this Chargers defense, who hasn't been able to stop anyone either. And let me not forget about Jacoby Myers, who was back yesterday. He's going to get the targets as well, and he's 5,500, Luch. I This could be a sneaky spot for the Raiders passing attack. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm saying this is a sneaky spot for Garoppolo and those two pass catchers. I don't know if it's going to be as sneaky as we think it is. I I think it'll carry ownership, especially uh, with the unfortunate Mike Williams injury. uh, You know, we learned of Monday morning. looks like he's probably done for the year. So they they said he's done for the year. So Josh Palmer is going to get big time ownership this week. What do you say? Yeah, but also just don't overthink Keenan Allen for your you know cash bills, right? Oh no, no, no. I mean Keenan Allen is never overlooked. Like 
I right. mean, come on. As long as he's <laughs> healthy. And, yeah. and and I mean, the the elephant in the room for this game is, are we going to get Alston Eckler back or not? That's another thing. Josh Kelly coming up another dud. If Eckler's out, no one's going to go back to Josh Kelly. It's like fool me three times, shame on me kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in that game environment for tournaments, you got to put that recency biases. I mean, I know it's not recency biases. Keenan Allen is 7,900. This is, this is, Luch, if this game does, gosh, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Luch, but I'm no, just, you're good. I'm, no, you're good. Keenan Allen is 7,900. Devontae Adams is 8K. I'm built, I'm building right now live on the show. Jacoby Myers is 5,500. And Joshua Palmer is 4K. Luch, I can comfortably stack this whole game with these receivers. I'm saying, and, and and if I throw in Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a lot cheaper, he's 5,300. I plug in a defense of my choice. Let's see, who do I want to plug in a defense? Heck, I'm just going to throw in Arizona just because they're 2,200. That gives me 5,700 left to build. I can throw in a random tight end. And, and do all of those things, Luch, and be perfectly fine. Heck, I could even just throw in Gerald Everett just because he's in the game. Yeah, and that's maybe overkill with some of the pass catchers. But my point is, you might be right. It's very easy to get the passing game of both sides of this because of those injuries. And Palmer at, at 4K, might, you might be on to something, but let's see where the ownership shakes out. Yeah, it might be you know, the optimizers might you know they're going to project much better without Mike Williams and pro- maybe without Austin Eckler and with those two circumstances instead of playing the guessing game of where the volume's going to go and taking a chance, you know the you know they they might be more popular than we think. But doesn't make them bad plays. Like that game should be screaming points. And so this I, might be a good week then because if that game's going to get ownership and then. We're probably anticipating Vikings Panthers getting ownership. We're probably anticipating Dolphins Bills getting ownership. All of these games can't get all the ownership. So this could be a good week to just kind of figure out where the ownership is and then go to this game or go to that game or mix and match. You know what I mean? This could be a good week. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Josh Jacobs, another dud. Everyone's going to play the receivers in this game. That I think if you're multi-entering – this is a like, if Josh Jacobs or Josh Kelly are going to actually do the thing. This is the game environment where the where it's this game or no game. Yeah, and fast track on the fast track. I, I like I would build with those running backs and not play anybody else from from those games in those lineups. And then when I want, like you know, you can stack with running backers for sure. Like running back receiver court, whatever. Like it, it works. It does. It works sometimes. Like people win like that sometimes. But just I, I'm I'm thinking they're going to be like closer to like ten percent own kind of thing because everyone's going to go with the pass catchers in that game and, and running backs elsewhere that, you know, maybe I keep Josh Jacobs without Devontae Adams and, and that way, you know, maybe I keep Josh Kelly, you know, without, uh, you know, Keenan Allen. So you're still getting a piece of that game environment, but with, di- you know, with different passing stacks in case the running backs, you know, how, how I mean, touchdowns are so variant. Huh? Keenan Allen can get tackled the two twice and his two Josh Kelly dump ins. He has 60 total yards, but he scores twice and he's at 18 points, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I do so, 100%. So, I, yeah, that, that's an interesting game. And I, I think here, here, I think, might be the real. I, I don't know. I mean, like, 
if, if we're thinking those games are priorities and they kind of stuck out to us, like I want to see what Joe Burrow looks like because I want to see Cincinnati against this uh, Tennessee defense who's going to make – going to force Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to get targets. Yeah, <laughs> like that's just – Tennessee's not going to change who they are. They're going to you know they're going to shut down Joe Mixon and make the Bengals pass. Will the Bengals be efficient? I don't know. Will Joe Burrow look good? I don't know. We haven't even seen him play Monday night yet. But if there's going to be a, a whopping amount of volume for these Bengals receivers in a game environment that like, like the public knows Tennessee's defense is pretty good. It's just is you know are they going to sustain drives to make the game environment healthy? I, I don't know. Uh but I do know that those receivers are going to garner targets because of the way the Titans funnel the defense. And I think this is a good Bengals receiver week. I, I think that's the tournament play. And I'm coming out here as a Titans fan. I'm telling you, like, like, I'm playing some Bengals. Even if maybe I want Burrow to look terrible or not even start this week, because then, then there'll be less people on them. And I don't care who the quarterback is with the way Tennessee plays schematically, the opportunities will be there for the receiver in that yeah. offense. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I mean, it doesn't feel great, but T. Higgins had a game in week two. Like, Jamar hasn't really done much yet, but, yeah, you know, it, it's crunch time for Cincinnati, too. 0-2 heading into week three here. And be a lot of pressure on a lot of people in that game, hypothetically, in about a week. Absolutely, Listen, my brother. You want to wrap it up? Should we go into story time slash yes, uh, GPP food of the day? What do you got for me? So... Uh, GPP food of the day. Um, we're we're coming in here. I want to give a shout out to um my local. So so here where I live, I'm 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 on in the coastal area, on the east coast, uh, near the beach, and so we have a lot of what we call crab houses here, Luch. A lot of crab houses, happy crab, you know, juicy crab, red crab. Um, stuff like that. And so I'm not a big crab eater in terms of like crab legs and stuff. That's not like my favorite, but I do love scallops. I love shrimp. I love the boiled eggs. I love the potatoes. I love the corn. I love those bags. And Luch, one of our local crab houses finally has it where you can get scallops in the bag. My goodness. And you get to choose your flavor. My favorite flavor, Luch, that I've discovered is uh, lemon pepper, garlic, mild. Lemon pepper, garlic, mild. Luch, it's incredible. The flavor is just so explosive. Uh, so I would encourage everyone, if you have a local, local crab house. Now, I'm here in Charleston, and so crab bags probably aren't as prevalent in all areas of the country. I understand that. But if you're by a place that you can get scallops, sausage, corn, uh, potatoes, red, baby red potatoes, all in a, all in a flavorful sauce, Luch, go check it out. It'll bless your life. I recently I moved to the Lehigh Valley. Again, technically, but uh, I'm here. I'm here for good now in Pennsylvania. I went to a place, if anyone's in the Lehigh Valley area, driving through, uh, check out the Tavern on Liberty. Uh, it's right next to uh, 
uh, some D2 college football where uh, this, uh, the school Muhlenberg is. So you can catch some football, catch some food. It's kind of a dive tavern on Liberty, but uh, I love a good dive. It's like a, it's like a nice dive. Um, but they had a ton of wing flavors. I never heard of this one anywhere. It was their wing of the month. The sauce uh, was co- was vanilla root beer barbecue. Okay. Yeah, so that was that was something different. Vanilla root beer barbecue. It was interesting. So uh, that that was a good a good uh, little appetizer feast before I saw Penn State take care of business against Iowa. Um, man, it's been a tough couple of days for for football in Colorado between the Broncos and, and the Buffaloes. Man, tough couple of days. Yes, I like that vanilla root beer. Barbecue, yeah, something different. It was good. I thought it would be like way too sweet, but it was a, a pretty good consistency. Okay, okay, yeah. I don't know where I'll find that where I am, but if I can find me a spot that's that's got something similar, I'll check it out. Yeah, I, no, I mean, probably I, you, the barbecue y'all have down there. See, I, I oh, said yeah, the y'all. Yeah. I threw the y'all in there because yeah, I, I tried to be authentic. <laughs> you guys have some real barbecue down there. Oh, yeah. uh, one of my yeah, good friends lives in official. Charleston. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna come here and tout barbecue in the north. There's one place up in the northeast, uh, in New York City, hometown barbecue. That I mean, New York City is about one of the only places in the northeast where you can find some real. Yeah, because people uh, from here move up there and start a restaurant. Authenticity, yes. So other than that, I'm going to leave the barbecue talk for for your neck of the woods. I know I know you got me one up no matter what I talk about up there. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, my, my uncle's taught me how to grill and barbecue. And listen, I've got my own special um, lemon pepper barbecue that I do with chicken and stuff like that. Trust me, it's a family hit. So, uh, yeah, L- lemon pepper barbecue is actually kind of my specialty. And it's, I'm thinking it's, about getting... I want, what's your opinion? And if anyone's listening, DM me. I'm thinking about getting one of those flat top blackstones for the house. Have have you have you used one? Or do you I, I've one? heard, you know, I've I've heard it's really good. Um, you know, for those of you that are in the cast iron skillets, if you've got some of those, and I've, I've got some of those. If you've got some of those, then you know you know the deal. It's I, it's really good. It's not like you know, it's not OG an OG grill, but I kind of like the idea of making some breakfast on it on the weekends, and you have the flat top, you know, yeah, waking yeah. up early before the games and just putting a smorgasbord on and getting ready to start the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. I'm undecided if I want to go more traditional or or get the uh, the flat top. So we'll see. Anyway, let's get going. Where can the people find you, Chief? At Chief Justice 6 on Twitter. And on rotogrinders.com. So, you know, come come hang out and uh, you can find me in the prop shop in the Rotogrinders Discord. So I, I'm all over the place in football season. We've got content rolling. I'm on the the, uh, the Sunday showdown show uh, every Sunday and, and on the Blitz every uh, every Saturday. So uh, trust me, you can get my thoughts. And I've been, been filling in, even on crunch time a little bit here recently uh, for the main slate on Sunday, talking through some things. And so if you were able to catch some of my thoughts, hopefully you made some money because we definitely were on Miami Houston. So there you have it. We will catch you guys next week. We have two more Monday night games we have to digest. I don't know why they keep doing this to us. I don't not sure. This is the I last like this is the last week, I think. Next week is just one game. Yeah. Do they start London next week? Did we omit that? Or is that in two weeks from now? Um hold up. Because we were looking at the main I, slate. I, I think it's in two weeks. 
Ravens Titans, 9.30 in the morning. No. Atlanta Jacksonville. October 1st is Sunday. Atlanta Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Whoa. right. They're, they're going to do the Toy Story. They're going to do the Toy Story overlay on that game. I feel so too. stupid. But now, wow. So I thought we were done. Now I want another 30 seconds because now you have Jacksonville looking like straight crap for two weeks. Now they got to travel to another country. Well, you, you, know, I mean, you know the Jaguars are, are – they typically win these London games. So yeah, let's just, when you play let's just hand it to times. them for, for novelty's sake. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you probably find the most Jaguars jerseys in the U.K., yeah, I guess absolutely. they go Tell every year. Yeah, you're looking every for a Jimmy year. Smith or a Fred Taylor jersey. It's probably in the UK somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm done. I swear. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, for another week <laughs> of food for thought. That's the chief. I'm the Luch. We'll catch you next week. Good luck, everybody. Have a great week.